Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. I think I have this morning is what are you believing for? What are you expecting out of 2022? And that's why I think next Sunday is going to be such an important Sunday for us as a church. January 9th, we're kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting together. How many people are excited for the fast? Okay, about half the room. The other half is not excited or unaware of what's happening. Um, I know there are many people feeling like, you know, 21 days, that seems like, you know, three weeks is a long time to go without food or without coffee, whatever it is that you're fasting. But I do think it is significant to start the year off this way, to really begin the year, like we talked about, setting expectation for what it is that we believe God to do. And I think it's one of my favorite moments that we have kind of in our church tradition or our church calendar to set the year off right, to say for 21 days, I'm committing to fasting and praying and believing with expectation and with faith for the thing I wanna see God do. And this year, our fast is centered around this theme, seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus taught us that. And that's our theme, that we're seeking first his kingdom, his way, his will, right at the start of the year. Because I think there's something so important about the way that you start something. How you start something really is important. And we're starting this year saying the first thing that we're going to do is seeking his kingdom. God's not going to get my leftovers this year. I'm seeking first his kingdom. I'm going to pursue his will right from the start. Because if I can get this right, and if I can get him in first place from the first part of the year, then everything else this year seems going to fall into line. See, where there is dependence on God, there is direction from God. When my dependence starts, you know, if I get my dependence off the first thing, starts getting on to other people, my direction gets all out of whack. But if I can depend on God, I know that he's going to bring direction for my year. That's what I'm praying over our church today. But this morning, I want to share something. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Romans chapter eight. If you don't, no worries. It'll be on the screen for you. But I want to share something with you that really has been on my heart for a while um, for our church. And, and I think praying over this Sunday, I want to share something with you that's going to be so profound as we step into this new year, but also important, I think, to set us up for what's going to happen next weekend, to, to set us up for the 21-day fast that we have. Romans chapter 8, verse 26, Paul writes to the church in Rome. He says this, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Anybody need some help this morning? Anybody grateful for the Holy Spirit that helps us in our weakness? Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. In the famous verse 28, and we know for those who love God, all things, everybody said all things, all things work together for good for those called according to his purpose. This morning, I just want to share a message with you from this title, Bigger, Better Prayers. Bigger, Better Prayers. Now, I'm curious to know, has anyone ever approached you and said these words, I've got good news and I've got bad news? You ever heard that before? How many know that's a recipe for trouble, right? I've got good news. 
I've got bad news. Suspicious for what's going to happen next. Maybe you've heard, you know, the good news is we're going to be seeing a lot more of our family. The bad news is our in-laws are moving in. (laughs) Careful not to laugh too hard if you're sitting next to your spouse. You've maybe heard, hey, the good news is the airbags in the car work perfectly. How many know what the bad news is coming after that? I've got good news and I've got bad news. I don't know if you're like me. I always want to hear the bad news first because I want to know what I'm getting into. The good news can wait. Give me the bad news to know what kind of trouble we are in. Well, this morning, I want to just share some good news and some bad news around prayer. But I know it's the new year. You're like, I didn't come to church for bad news. What, is it? what are we talking about? The bad news is still going to be pretty good. Okay, so I'm not here to beat you up. I'm here to build you up. And I think the bad news is still going to be pretty encouraging to you, but the good news is going to be really good. And so I've learned um, in my own faith journey that theology or really faith is not just what you do in word, it's what you do in action. Faith is meant to be worked out. You can say whatever you want. You can blog about it, post about it, tweet about it, uh, you know, Instagram about it. But really what you say is If you're not living that way, it's not really honest. It doesn't really mean anything. How many know Christians can be notorious for this, right? Many people would talk about prayer. Few people actually live a life of prayer. One of my New Year's resolutions is to stop saying, I will pray for you and to start saying, I just prayed for you, right? Because many of us, we say, oh yeah, like I know you're going through, I'm I'm praying for you. And we don't, right? But to say, instead, instead of saying, I will pray for you, to say, I've just prayed for you. I think many people can talk about this, but few people would actually live this kind of life. And as I was um, kind of preparing for today, I just want to ask you this question. Are you praying? Just ask, are, are you praying? Is this a year that, or, or looking back at your life, do you live a lifestyle of prayer? I was studying for this message. I came across this quote that said, every prayerless day is a statement that I don't need God today. Those are strong words. Maybe it's easy for you to be here today and be like, wow, I feel convicted. But as I began to meditate on this and think about it, I began to think, you know, God, I don't think it's as much that people don't want to pray. I think many of our struggle is we actually don't know how to pray or we don't know why we pray or we don't even know what to say when we pray. And I believe there are people here today, I, just don't, I don't want to assume that we're all on the same page around prayer. Like, oh yeah, it's just so easy. Talk to God. Because prayer, even though it's a simple idea, it's oftentimes difficult in practice. Just because prayer seems simple doesn't mean it's easy. I think many of us would, if we're honest today, could struggle to say, I actually struggle in prayer because I kind of feel unfit to pray. I kind of feel inadequate. Maybe I'm going through a really difficult thing and it's like, yeah, just talk to God, but it's God. Like, what do you say? And, and we feel like our words don't measure up and we feel like maybe I don't have the right things to say. But what I want to tell you today is just because it's simple doesn't mean it's shallow. Think of words like, God, I trust you. Well, just because that sounds simple doesn't mean that's Shallow, that's a really difficult thing to live out. Think of words like, until death do us part. Those are nice words, but it's actually a really deep thing to live out. Prayer is the same way. I think it seems like a simple idea, but it's oftentimes difficult. And what I wanna say today is the gospel, it really is simple, but the gospel isn't shallow. 
It's simple, but it's not shallow. And what I wanna challenge us today is to give you something that I think is actually really deep and really profound, but to give it to you in the most simple way that I can to really help us around this idea of prayer and bigger and better prayers heading into 2022. But first, the bad news, you ready? Okay, chapter eight, verse 26, the bad news is this. None of us know how to pray. You're like, that's it? That's what I came for? Romans chapter eight, Paul begins to outline what is the life of the spirit. It's actually a pivotal moment in the book of Romans because in chapter seven, Paul will outline life according to the flesh and begins to really express the depravity that we all share because sin leads to death in our own way, we begin to say that I can't do this on my own. I don't know if you've ever tried to live life your own way, but let me just cue you in on something. It doesn't work. And Paul begins to outline chapter seven. He says the thing, he's like, I don't, I, I don't do the things that I wanna do and I do the things that I hate and I feel conflicted because I feel like I, I can't do this in my own strength. I can't do this my own way. I can't do this in my own effort. But Romans chapter eight in verse one, there is a pivot that says there is there now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. And he begins to point out this, 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 this sort of... Um, parallel between our life in the flesh and life in the spirit. And Paul begins to say in Romans chapter eight, that on your own, you can't do it your way. On your own, you can't do it in your own strength. On your own, you can't do it in your own effort, but life in the spirit, for he helps us in our weakness. We can lean on his strength. We can lean on his way for the Holy Spirit is our helper. And this is what Paul begins to say is that the bad news, let me just cue you in on something. We don't really know how to pray as we should. That's the thing, the spirit may help us in our weakness, but we don't know how to pray as we should. And what I think is so interesting is Paul doesn't say like, oh, pfft, you don't know how to pray. Like as if he's a judgmental pastor. No, he includes himself. This guy wrote half of the New Testament. He's like one of the best Christians that ever lived. And he includes himself to say, we don't know how to pray on our own. I don't know, it just gives me a little bit of hope today to feel like nobody is exempt from this. Preacher, pastor, grandmother, father, even our prayer team, I love these people, but there are no magic lanyards. People that feel like, oh, I've got a ministry of being a prayer, war prayer warrior. Paul makes it clear, they don't know how to pray better than any of us do. And it gives me hope to know that in moments where I feel unfit in prayer, moments where I feel inadequate, like my words don't measure up, like it depends on me, like, God, are you even listening? Are you even hearing me? Paul says, we don't know how to pray. And that's the bad news. But here's the, the, the thing, because on our own, our words, our life will always come up short in power, words, and emotion. I can remember growing up, our church used to do something back home called 24-7 prayer. And uh, for one week of every summer, we would dedicate prayer to pray 24 hours a day for seven days straight. That sounds kind of intense, right? So it wasn't just one person. It wasn't all of us, you know, just like locking ourselves in a room. We're gonna pray and seek God. No, it was, you would sign up. And so I can remember being a young person and saying, God, I'm gonna give you an hour of prayer. I remember, you know, we'd go in the prayer room and it was like always so spiritual. We take off our shoes because this is holy. Ground. I remember saying, God, I'm going to give you an hour. And so I go to, into prayer full of faith. 
I'd say, God, we praise you. We love you. Thank you, Jesus. I'd look down at the clock and be like, are you kidding me? Three minutes, that's all? God, I'm gonna give you an hour, but I've got 57 minutes left. And then you just soak in the spirit. You close your eyes and rest, and then you get that knock on the, hey, are you sleeping in there? You're killing the faith. You broke the chain of prayer. We feel like, you know, it's, it's, it's oftentimes there is a, a moment, where I think, where all of us can feel inadequate in prayer because the Bible says we all don't know how to pray as we should. I, I talk with people on Sundays feeling like I'm really faced with this difficulty. I need you to pray for me. Down here at the front, many of us feel like we're approaching a difficult situation saying, hey, I'm experiencing real problems in my marriage. I need you to pray. I'm, I'm going to court this week. I need you to pray. My son has cancer. I need you to pray. I'm feeling like after decades in ministry, I'm going, man, I better get this prayer thing right because people really are counting on God to show up. And I felt, you know, many times I'm, I'm, I'm feeling inadequate in prayer, feeling like I need to get this prayer thing right. But here's what I need us to understand this morning, that the life that God has designed for you is a partnership with the Holy Spirit. On our own, we can't do it. But the life that God has for you is a partnership with the Holy Spirit. Some of you just need to hear this today. You need his help to live for him. Can't just say, oh God, I'm gonna do, I don't, I've, we've all tried that and felt, oh, I'm unfit for this. I'm gonna, but, but this is what begins to happen is we need his help to live for him because Christianity is not a self-improvement project. Christianity is a spirit improvement project. Christianity isn't just to make you a kinder, nicer, better person. Christianity is to make you a new person. And when the spirit begins to dwell in our life, it's not just to give you a couple tweaks or life hacks. The spirit dwells in you to transform you from the inside out. In fact, let me say this. The only reason we can pray is because of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. That's the only reason we even have the ability. To, and that's why I think prayer is so important because prayer is more than just telling God what we need. Why? Because God is a good father and he already knows what we need before we ask. What prayer does is it acknowledges my dependence on God. Not just for a moment, but day by day. God, I need you. I need your help in my life. Look at verse 26. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Bad news, for we don't know how to pray as we ought. But here's the good news. For the Spirit himself prays for us. See, when you become a Christian, you don't inherit a church. You inherit the Holy Spirit. When you're born again, you don't just get access to a club. You get access to his divine help. Let me tell you why this is good news, because remind you, the gospel is not just good advice. The gospel is good news. And the good news is because Jesus, God sent his son to die for us so that we can experience freedom and forgiveness from, and forgiveness from our sin and shame and death. And because of Jesus who died and rose again, the Bible calls his resurrection the seal of our inheritance of the Holy Spirit. For Jesus has gone first and because he has paved the way for us, we receive the inheritance his very spirit dwelling within us. This is good news. 
Because what begins to happen is I think as what Paul says is on our own, we can't do it. We feel like our prayers don't measure up, but the Holy Spirit prays for us and he takes our words and forms us into the will of God. Really simply, what is Paul saying? He's saying God takes our prayers and he makes them bigger and better. Just wait. You'll be as excited as me when you leave this place because this is, this is really good news for us today that God takes our prayers. It doesn't depend on us. He does even more with our words than we can express. I've got a verse, Ephesians chapter three, verse 20. This is what it says. Now to him, that's God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask. Okay, when we ask God for something, what is that? It's prayer. Prayer is asking God. And what is this saying is God can do even more than we pray for. And he can do even above the answer that we think we need. God takes our words and he forms into his will to do bigger and better than we can even ask or think or imagine. Let me explain it like this. You ever be on your phone? Maybe because you're in a hurry or maybe because um, your fingers are too big and the buttons are too small that you begin to type something and it doesn't even look like English. You're like, what the heck? I I'm trying to get a message across and there's not even, the words don't make sense. They're out of order. And then there's like that little bubble that pops up that says the word that you've meant to type and it's, it's autocorrect. I think the Holy Spirit is God's own version of autocorrect that begins to say, you don't have to have the right words to say, but literally say anything and God will get it right for you. See, you could say something as simple as help. And God says, I know how to interpret that prayer. With the Holy Spirit within us, we can say something as God, please. And God says, I know exactly what you need. The Holy Spirit begins to take our words and say, I, I, every thought is like an open book. The Bible says that he searches our hearts. He knows, our, he knows how to even interpret a sigh. That's how close God is. That's how much he cares for you, that he takes our small words and he interprets them. And that's why I really believe the only way to fail in prayer is to not show up. You literally cannot fail in prayer. Say anything and God will get it right for you. I really believe 2022 can be your best year ever if you learn consistency in prayer. If you learn the habit to be consistent in, in prayer, why not commit instead of 21 days of fasting, why not commit to praying every day of that fast? Because the reason we fast at all is to allow our natural hunger to drive our spiritual hunger. We give up food to say every craving, every moment I have that feels like, God, I really need to eat. We're allowing that to say, I need more than I need food, more than I need sugar, more than I need caffeine. I need Jesus. That's why we fast. So why not take 21 days of fasting and learn how to train your soul in dependence on God? 21 days of prayer. What a habit to start in 2022. They say it takes 21 days to form a habit. Can you imagine starting this year saying, I'm teaching my soul the rhythms of dependence on God. I'm learning how to trust him, not for a moment, not as a last resort, not just as something I do on Sunday. I'm learning how to trust him every day 
with my life. What a way to start this year. I really believe it can be your best year ever if you learn consistency in prayer, to see, to live a life of prayer that begins to see God do even bigger than you're expecting him. To see God take your prayers and make them bigger and better. That's why even next weekend, as we begin to start our moment of prayer and fasting. We're going to have a service here at 5 p.m., worship and prayer. Some of you may be feeling like, oh, I can never come an hour of prayer. I don't even know what I would say. You're right. That's the point. But say anything. Just show up and watch God do even beyond what you could ever ask or think or imagine. This is such good news that the Spirit begins to help us to go beyond what we could even ask for. It's, it's God's own version of autocorrect. And that's why verse 28 says he, that all things begin to work together for the good of those who love him. It's God's version of autocorrect. You're saying, Cody, does this really happen? Let me prove to you in the Bible that it happens. First Kings chapter 19 See, even Paul wasn't the only one. Paul says, I don't know how to pray. We don't know how to pray. Elijah didn't know how to pray. The famous Old Testament prophet, the fearless Elijah. First Kings chapter 19 tells a story about Elijah who was overcome by fear and anxiety that he was on the run from a demonic woman called Jezebel who was threatening to kill him. And out of fear, he began to run into isolation. And this was his prayer. First Kings 19 Verse four, let's read it together. It says this, that while he himself was in a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush, sat down under and prayed this, that he might die. Yes, you're reading that correctly. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I'm no better. So Elijah, he prays, God, I'm done with this. I've had enough. It's better if I die, just take me now. But remember, we don't know how to pray. So God begins to take Elijah's prayer and listen, look at the answer. The next verse, verse five, he laid down, slept under the same tree and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. He looked and behold, there was a jar at his head, at his head, a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and laid down again. And the angel of the Lord came a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat. The journey is too great for you. So what happened? This is going to be so good. <laughs> Elijah prayed, God, kill me. And the Holy Spirit took his words and says, he doesn't mean kill. He means cake. And God began, come on, how many like that prescription for stress, right? Eat a little more cake this year. But heavenly cake has no calories, okay? So he says, God, kill me. Holy Spirit says he doesn't mean kill. He means cake. So what needs to happen is instead of this, I need to begin to get a miracle cake, an angel visitation. You need to eat and sleep because there's still more work for you to do. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God doesn't answer every prayer that I pray. I'm thankful that God takes my words and can reinterpret them for his will. There are things that I have prayed for. I have to thank God he didn't answer. I have to thank God that not every single word I pray. That, oh God, I love her. She's my wife. The Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. That's not love. That's just loneliness. It's the only person that's paid attention to you this month. So just hold on. 
You say, God, I need that promotion. Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no promotion. I need you to learn because if you get that promotion, you're never going to find your calling and you're never going to learn how to serve faithfully without recognition. So hold on, hold on. God, I need more money. Holy Spirit says, no, no, no. You just need to be a good steward with what's in front of you. And instead of learning how to pay Nordstrom and Amazon and Macy's, you need to learn how to tithe on the first 10%. Say, God, I hate you. No, 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 no. Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean hate. It just means he doesn't understand everything right now and he can't see the way that you're working. I thank God he takes my prayers and reinterprets them for his will. This is how good God is. For he helps us in our weakness, interprets our words in the ways that we don't measure up and he helps to form them into his will beyond anything that we could ever ask think or imagine. We serve a good God. Think of what had to happen for God to get Elijah's prayer right. He says, you don't know how to, you don't know what you're asking for. There's still more work for you to do. So I need to begin to take this miracle and this angel come to visit and begin to work. Can you imagine maybe on the other side, think of for a second of God's perspective. Think of what God would have to do to answer your prayer. Say, for example, you came to church today on your way in, drove in, grabbed your coffee and just threw one up. You say, God, speak to me. Think for a moment what God has to do to answer your prayer. You say, God, it's 2022. I need a word today. So God says, okay, in order to answer that, I'm gonna go back about 30 years, and I need to take, for you to get a word today, I need to take a country boy named Jensen from North Carolina, give him a ministry preaching the gospel and get him to move from North Carolina to the backwoods of Gainesville, Georgia, where nothing happens in Gainesville, Georgia. And I need to get him to move from Carolina to Georgia and give him a church to start preaching. And I'm gonna need you to call it Free Chapel. And then what needs to happen is I need to bring Jensen from, from Gainesville, Georgia on a trip to record a TV show to California where I'm gonna give him the keys to a building on the corner of Jamboree and Magal. And then what needs to happen is I need you to start a church 3,000 miles away on the other side of the country for services to be happening in 2022. Then what I need to do is I need Jensen to form a relationship with a rowdy youth pastor in Australia, of all places, and I need them to connect so that he can be the one to, to begin to host a campus pastor in Orange County. And while he's in Orange County, then what I need to do is I needed to get Adams out of Chicago and into Orange County. And the way that I'm gonna do that is I'm gonna take two parents on the edge of divorce in the suburbs of Chicago, and I'm gonna get them into a church where they can take their punk rock son to begin to experience Jesus. And then he's gonna be on a mission trip to El Salvador, where in El Salvador, I'm gonna call him to ministry. And then what begins to happen is as he's called into ministry, I'm gonna move him from Chicago to Orange County where this relationship can happen. And then what begins to happen is I get Orange County, I get North Carolina, I get Georgia, I get Australia, I get Chicago, all to the same place. Just because you prayed, God, I need a word. We serve a great God. And as you pray one thing, God begins to orchestrate 10,000 things on your behalf. 
God begins to, you're complaining and God is over here coordinating. You begin to ask one thing and God begins to do 10,000 things. And listen, that's just like three people. Imagine what had to happen to get your crazy butt to church today. And you think you stumbled in here on the back of a brunch invite like this is an accident? No, it's called prevenient grace. It means that God is always working far beyond what I can see, far beyond what I can think or imagine. God begins to take my one prayer and do 10,000 things. And that's what I believe begins to happen because God is committed to taking my little and adding power to it. God takes my little prayer words and begins to add power to them. I pray one thing and God does 10,000 things on my behalf, which by the way is, is what prophetic means. Prophetic isn't about fortune telling and blood moons. No, prophetic means behind the scenes, God is coordinating throughout the, the, the hallways of history to begin to work things together, not by coincidence or by accident, but to fulfill his will. And the good news about it is I don't even have to get it right on my own. I just have to depend on God because he takes my inadequacy and he adds his power to it for the Holy Spirit. He helps me in my weakness and he takes my words to form his will in my life. Hallelujah. I wish there would be some people today that can give God praise for how great he is, for how good he is. So as we close today, I want to share one last story I heard, um, was reading recently about the famous golf legend, Arnold Palmer. Not the drink, the person. I know some of you are going, oh, iced tea and lemonade. No, no, no. He was a, at one point the greatest golfer in the world. And I remember reading a story who there at the height of his career was invited to do a three-day golf exhibition clinic in the Middle East. And it was the royalty of Saudi Arabia and the Arab sheiks invited him. They said, we want to learn the game of golf. We're inviting the best private jet, full VIP experience. Flew Arnold Palmer out three days, golf lessons, played the course, teaching people how to play golf. At the very end of his trip was the king of Saudi Arabia who came to him and said, hey, as a thank you, for you coming, for spending all this time with us, I want to get you a gift. Palmer says, you know, I, I've really been so well taken care of. I really don't need anything. Thank you for your generosity, but I'll decline. It was his traveling partner who said, hey, that's not cultural custom. You can't really deny a gift from the king. It would be displeasure. And so you have to, you have to ask for something. So Palmer wisely reconsidered and he said, you know what, I, just a simple golf club would be a wonderful token of my trip here, a great way to remember. You can choose the club, but any, any simple golf club would be just fine. So the king was pleased. There the next day as Palmer was leaving back to the States, the king showed up at his door and there he handed him the title to a 36-hole golf club. He's like, oh, I'll just have a nine iron. He's like, no, 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 I got a clubhouse, a restaurant, and 36-hole golf club. 
The point I'm trying to make today is not a language barrier. It's because kings think differently than we ask. And because he's the king, he thinks differently than we even ask for. He can do far more abundantly than we could ever ask or think or imagine. He takes our little words and he adds power to them because he thinks differently than we do. And thank God. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.